morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We're jumping back into a series we've entitled RE, uh, loosely affiliated. If it begins with an RE, it's an opportunity to, to be in our study or in our series. We've looked at words or actions, things that we might go back to or return to. Uh, last week, in particular, we looked at receiving from God. And part of that was to trust in His resources. When we don't know what to do, where to turn, we can trust in God. Uh, again, reminder, if you've missed any of those previous messages and you'd like to see them or listen to them, available on the website, but as well, uh, the services on Facebook and on YouTube, our YouTube channel, and you can check that out. Typically has our worship and message in there. Today, the word is recover. Recover. Typically, if you're recovering something, uh, you're kind of getting back to, or sometimes you're recovering something that is lost. Uh, how many of you have ever lost something? Now, I'm not talking about your minds. Some, sometimes we lose our minds, and we're not sure where we put that, right? Uh, we're talking about some physical objects. Sometimes you've, you've lost some objects. Uh, Kim, you know, lost the wedding ring, found it in the freezer number of weeks later. Uh, maybe you have lost an item, uh, uh, ever, ever lost uh, maybe a set of keys, lost a cell phone. Anybody lost a cell phone? Uh, in today's day and age, uh, that uh, worlds would end. Now, not just for teenagers, uh, adults as well. If you lose a cell phone, your world would end. There is so much in the cell phone. Uh, you've got everything from your photographs and videos. Maybe you've got some of your financial information. We're able to, to pay or do some things online. So you lose a cell phone, you, you get a little bit, uh, a little bit panicked, right? Uh, you lose a ring, you get a little bit panicked. Uh, maybe you've lost your glasses. Anybody lose your glasses? And then you find them on the top of your head. That's why you have Amy wears straps. There we go. So we're looking at recovering. And many times it's recovering what we've once had or recovering maybe what you've never had. I'm going to invite you to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to see Jesus interacting with some blind men as they recover blindness, recover their sight. If you connected with or met with or uh, maybe developed a connection with a blind individual, it's truly amazing what they're able to do, even many times without the capabilities of sight. You know, for, for individuals who have our sight, we say, wow, how in the world would we make it without it? And for uh, an individual who is blind, they've learned and they've adapted. Uh, I came across this story about Charlie Boswell, one of the most celebrated sports heroes in Alabama. He was blinded in World War II while rescuing a buddy from a burning tank. He'd always been a great athlete, so after the war, he took up the sport of golf. I'll stop right there. Being blind and doing a number of things is, is certainly powerful, but can you imagine playing golf blind? He won the National Blind Golf Championship a total of 16 times, once shooting a score of 81. I might approach 81 on my best day for nine holes. <laughs> 
half of a golf course. I mean, th this is incredible. He, he once shot 81 blind. In 1958, he went to Fort Worth to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award. Uh, uh, Well-known, one of the best golfers ever. So this is back in the 50s. Mr. Hogan had agreed to play a round of golf with Charlie, who is blind. Charlie said, Mr. Hogan, would you like to play for money? <laughs> Mr. Hogan said, well, that wouldn't be too fair. And Charlie said, come on, Mr. Hogan, are you afraid to play a blind golfer? It's, it's kind of, you know, win or lose. Either way, it seems like you might turn out, you might not end up too well in that particular bargain. So Ben Hogan said, Charlie, I can't do it. Well, he was pretty competitive, and so he finally agreed and said, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and play you for some money. And he said, how much? Boswell said $1,000 per hole. We're back in the 50s. He said, well, that's a lot. How many strokes do you want me to give you? In other words, you know, what kind of a help do you want me to give you? It was a little bit of a head start. And Boswell said, no strokes, I'll play you straight up. In other words, just man-on-man, one-on-one, uh, no helps, no, nothing like that. And so Ben Hogan said, Charlie, I can't do it. What would people think of me taking advantage of a blind man and playing him for $1,000 a hole? Boswell smiled and said, well, don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time is tonight at midnight. <laughs> Might make things a little bit, uh, a little closer, a little, little more fair there. So yes, blind individuals certainly do some incredible things. We're going to look in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 20, at the healing of a couple of blind men. So these are individuals wanting to, desiring to recover their sight, whether they had sight and lost it or whether they had been blind from birth, uh, they were desiring to recover their sight. So we're going to look at a handful of principles for you and I. I think God's got something in store for us, something in store, not just in our worship time and in our message time, but to recover this morning. And I think a first principle is a little bit of what we've already done today, which is to call upon Jesus. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 29, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And that was typical, right? As, as Jesus would teach and he would preach, he would heal, he would do some miracles. And, you know, when miracles were being done, you draw a crowd. I mean, Jesus was feeding 5,000 people with a, a, a happy meal, to, to make it today's modern understanding. Feeding a crazy amount of people with a tiny amount of food. He was healing physical bodies. He was doing some incredible things. And so as Jesus went, as he was teaching, as he was preaching, as he was doing miracles, boy, people were just gathering around. Verse 30 says, Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They are calling out to Jesus. You see, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know where to turn, obviously, first and foremost, we call upon Jesus. 
We call upon Jesus because he's the one who can help. Jesus is the one who can reach into our situation. Now, for these blind men, it was fairly common in ancient days, fairly common in many of the third world countries. Many of them did not have family members to simply help out and to take care of them. And so what you see them doing, sitting by the roadside, in fact, in several places in Scripture, particularly in New Testament, you see about uh, some of the blind individuals sitting or begging. There's not a lot that they're able to do being blind. So many times they would sit and beg and hope that others would help or bless or provide. And so they're sitting there by the roadside. Certainly, this is outside of a city. It says they were leaving Jericho. And so, you know, today's day and age, we see maybe not blind individuals, but have you gotten off a highway exit or you've been maybe through downtown Lima and you see different ones with signs needing help. You've got a lot of different individuals and they're saying, well, where, where would be a good place to go where a lot of people are going in and out of? And so they're on one of these main roads here outside of Jericho. So they're sitting more than likely begging or hoping that others would uh, have some mercy and pity upon them, compassion upon them, and to bless. Now, they heard who was passing, probably knew of Jesus' reputation. I mean, when you start multiplying food, when you start healing bodies, the stories continue to spread. We see even in today's day and, old, uh, day and age, as we see about some of the, the powerful and mighty things God's doing, Asbury Theological Seminary and some other uh, Bible colleges and seminaries, word begins to spread as something good begins to happen. So they heard, hey, this Jesus, you know, the one who did this, the one who did that. Uh, there was not social media. There was not the World Wide Web and everybody on their cell phone getting an alert that Jesus is coming by. But certainly what had taken place was preceding him. And so they heard it was Jesus, no doubt heard his reputation or what had taken place in his healing. Maybe it was they heard that the very first miracle, turning the water into wine. Maybe it was about the, the dumb being able to speak again. Maybe it was lepers who were healed. Maybe it was the dead who were raised. Maybe it was other individuals whose sight had been restored and recovered. Whatever the case was, they had heard and they began to call out and cry out to Jesus. It says, they shouted. You know, if a crowd is around, you, you can't just say, um, yeah, um, uh, Jesus over here. You need to get his attention. These blind individuals wanted Jesus to know, wanted Jesus to hear that they needed help. So it says they shouted. They were at the probably at the top of their lungs, but they were calling out upon him. Now, the principle isn't so much about our volume as it is about the priority, right? We don't necessarily have to yell and scream as if higher volume means he's going to hear us more. But we can call upon him. We can turn to him. We can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've got a need in my life. 
I've got a financial issue. I've got a physical issue. Lord, there's this situation at home situation in the job situation here or there at school. And God, I need your help. They're desiring sight and they called upon Jesus. The heart with which they did it was a heart of humility. They weren't yelling at Jesus, hey, you, heal us or else. It wasn't this ultimatum to Jesus. What did they say? Lord, son of David, some titles of who he was, have mercy on us. Now, what did the have mercy on us probably mean? It was a humble way to say, Jesus, we need help. Jesus, I don't know what to do. Jesus, I don't know where to turn. Have mercy on me. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. We can call upon Jesus because he can help, but let's do so in a heart of humility. You ever had somebody ask you for some help? Uh, maybe it's a, a classmate in school. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Have you ever had somebody demand help from you? Assume you will help. Assume you will do everything in your power and then some to make them and their need feel better. Maybe it's help with a homework assignment. Maybe it's help in a job situation. And they just assume or they call upon you and, and basically obligate you to do it with an attitude. That's not what we see here in these men. This was not the attitude that says, well, Jesus, you've done it for these other people, so you better do it for us or else I'm going to leave you a bad healing review on Yelp. It wasn't with an attitude. It was with humility. Calling upon him in some of the titles. And then he said, have mercy on us. If we're not careful, sometimes we can get to the point where we begin to order God around. If we're not careful, you ever been there at some point in time? Maybe your, your, your heart's been kind of pricked because you're not just calling upon, not just requesting, not just asking for help in your situation. It's almost as if you're, or, you're putting your order in. Because today's day and age and culture, we want it our way right away. And, you know, we can just take this thing out that's in our pockets Find an app with a couple of taps. Tell them exactly how we want that coffee to be done. Type send. Or exactly how we want that drive through order to be done and tap. And then when we come through, oh boy, they better have it exactly right because I typed it in there. Right? You're smiling. I mean, now sometimes people do mess up. That's true. They can mess up on our orders, but how we handle them messing up, oh, sometimes we don't do too well with that. Because we've gotten to this attitude and aspect that says, it has to be all done for me. I am owed it. And so we order someone around. We, we put our order in for food, but then we put our order in 
for a friend or a family member or a co-worker or a classmate. And if we're not careful, sometimes we put our order in for God. As if we're pulling out the app and we're, we're coming up to the God app and we type in exactly what we want God to do. God, there's this physical need and we type it all out. God, there's this relational issue. There's this physical issue in a, in a body, in a life, in a situation, and we tap it all out and submit it. We, we, it's almost as if we tap sin, and we maybe do that figuratively in, in a prayer time. And it's almost as if we are ordering God to do exactly what we want. That's not the approach that these individuals had when they called upon Jesus. I think it's, it's a great reminder for us how to humbly call upon him. That doesn't mean that we can't come to him. If there's a need in our hearts, a need in our life, if it's something that we are facing, it matters to us, well, it matters to him. We can bring it to him. Other scriptures talk about boldly approaching the throne of grace. But not boldly with an attitude. We can do boldly and in humility. God, you've got the resources. We talked about that last week. I can call upon you. So one of the first principles we see here is to call upon Jesus. Continue the very next verse, another principle. And the encouragement is don't give up. Verse 31 You'll never guess what the crowd did once they heard these blind men shouting to Jesus. Verse 31, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. You ever rebuked someone and told them to be quiet? If you did, you're not going to admit to it right about now, but you know what I'm talking about. Someone's getting a little too loud wherever you might be. It's a, it's a social gathering, a family gathering, and they're just too loud. You're like, hey, hey, keep it down. You're too loud down there, too loud back there. So here's the crowd. They're wanting to hear from Jesus. They're wanting to experience from Jesus. And here are these two blind men who'd been sitting on the roadside whom many people probably had walked right by without seeing. And now they're shouting to try to get Jesus' attention. So they're shouting. They're rebuking them. They're telling them to be quiet. But what did the blind men do? It says, they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They shouted the same thing. They, they didn't somehow turn from humility into, you know, being obnoxious. They stayed in the attitude of humility. But boy, they just got a little louder because they wanted to make sure he heard them. They weren't going to let Jesus pass by without trying to get in touch with him. I think here's a, an encouragement or the challenge or a reminder for you and I. Don't allow other people to keep you or stop you from calling upon God. You ever have anyone, maybe it's in, in your home life, family situation, school, work, job, they hear you talking about going to church or reading your Bible or praying or this or that. And they'll do everything in their power to cut down, criticize, poke fun. 
anything at what you are doing in the seeking of and the calling upon Jesus. That happens. Happens to young people and kids. Happens to adults as well. People who say, I don't believe in that. I don't want that. So, you know, you better stop that. Don't allow people to keep you from calling upon him. No matter what they might say, no matter how they might poke fun at, continue, don't give up in calling upon God. Now, these blind men certainly did not have all all of the access to some of the, the medical advancements that we might have today. Cataract removal, cornea transplants. I mean, there are certainly many advances that can help today that they might not have had access to back then. But in this particular situation, in Matthew chapter 20, they would be blind unless God, unless he intervened, unless he healed, unless he stepped into their situation and they'd heard about some incredible miracles he had done, how could they not have heard? So can you imagine? You've got a mighty big need in your life and somebody who has met mighty big needs in other people's lives are passing by. You want to get their attention. Now, you and I, in in today's day and age, we like to get people's attention. I mean, you you think about uh, some of the sports teams, Super Bowl winners, basketball winners, you know, college team winners, and they have all of these uh, parades through the city. Hundreds of thousands of people, sometimes uh, approaching a million or so. And what does everybody want to do? They want to catch a glimpse of the team. They want to catch a glimpse of that coach, of that star player. Following the Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs had a parade, and and everybody's lining the streets. I mean, there are kids who are skipping school and parents who are helping them skip school. Why? So they can catch a glimpse Maybe turn around and get a selfie as that bus goes by. Oh, to be able to say, I got a picture of so-and-so. Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, the MVP, whoever it might be. In this day and age, it's, it's not quite a parade, but wherever Jesus went, people would gather, and they were wanting to get a glimpse of him, not because he'd won a football game, catch a glimpse and and get in touch with them because of, again, what he's teaching and preaching. They wanted to hear him, but they heard words of what he had done. If you had a need like these blind men, and you have heard how he has healed other individuals, raised from the dead, helped the mute to speak or other blind to see, multiplied meals to feed an incredible number of people from just a a small, tiny amount of food? If someone who met a whole bunch of other needs was passing by and you had a need, you'd want to get his attention. So they didn't just call out once, Lord, have mercy. Well, I guess, you know, he must not have heard us. Oh, well. They continued. They shouted all the louder. 
The crowd's telling them to be quiet, but is the crowd able to meet their need? No. The one who can meet their need is Jesus. And that's who they're calling upon. Don't let other people pressure you into giving up on prayer. Or better yet, don't allow yourself to get discouraged and give up on prayer and seeking God. Because human nature says, well, I prayed about this. I prayed about this need. I prayed about this physical aspect and, and nothing's happened. Nothing's better. I, I prayed about this financial challenge and I haven't had any, any massive checks in the mail. I've prayed about this relationship situation and boy, it's just as challenging as ever. God must not want to do anything. Listen, we can't demand that God meet our every need and every prayer. But boy, don't stop praying. Don't stop calling upon Him. Don't stop seeking Him. He is the one able to meet those needs. Persist. Continue. Don't stop. Someone else might make fun of you. What, are you praying again? Nothing's happened in this last month, in this last year. Why are you foolishly calling upon Jesus? Why? Because he's the one who can meet that need. The Bible says we can pray about anything. We can pray about everything. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too little. Depending on your personality, one or the other might get you to not pray. For some, it's a need that's so big, we say, God, this is so massive, I'm not even sure you can do anything about this. And on the flip side, other, other people take the big things to God, but the little things, they say, well, I'll just go ahead and do that myself. It doesn't matter if you're facing a giant situation or you've got some minor situations. You can call upon Jesus and not give up. That's what these blind men were doing. Thirdly, though, understand this, know this, know that Jesus hears you. Well, that's important. Verse 32, it says, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called out, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus hears what we say and we pray. Sometimes that can be the challenge because we, we don't see maybe face-to-face -face physically like we see one another physically. And so we pray, and maybe it feels as if your prayer is just it's kind of going out into the universe. It's, it's going out into the air. Does, does anybody hear? Does anybody understand? He hears what you and I have to say. Here's Jesus in the midst of this crowd who's gathered around. Two blind men are shouting, but the whole crowd's trying to shout and drown them out. It's this back and forth. You ever had one of those screaming contests? It typically happens a, a lot of times in children's ministry, a lot of times in youth ministry. I mean, if you ever just want to get people going, you just divide them up and say, all right, you know, how many of you are glad to be here tonight? Ah, okay, are you louder? And you get this part to yell. And then he turns to the other side and he says, oh, can you beat that? And it's just back and forth, yelling, yelling, excitement. 
There's a whole crowd of people trying to drown out two. But they're not giving up. They're not quitting. And it says that Jesus heard them. He hears you perfectly. In fact, you and I don't have to shout or yell. Maybe for some, the situation you're you're facing, you can barely put some words together because of the brokenness of heart. Some of the situations that we face, sometimes we can barely speak and, and we feel as if we're kind of babbling a little bit or sniffling in, in, in tears, we can call upon God loudly, softly, but we can do so humbly and know that he hears. It says he heard, and when he heard them, it says he stopped and he called out to them. Now we're in Matthew chapter 20. It's a pretty good portion through the book of Matthew. He's on his way to Jerusalem. It's not that much later in his life and in this book of Matthew where we see some of the end of his life. He will, uh, he will be crucified. He's following the plan that the Heavenly Father had put for him. And as it's getting towards the end of Time, the end of his life, right before the crucifixion, in the midst of all that, Jesus still hears. Jesus slows down and stops, and he calls out to them. Can you imagine Jesus in the flesh looking you in the eye and saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you. If you were face to face with Jesus today, the way we're able to be face to face physically, and he were to look at you and say that, what would you answer? What do you want me to do for you? Chances are there, there'd be a number of things that come to mind because just a little bit earlier, a bunch of hands were raised in this place. You said, I've got needs. I've got situations I don't know how to handle. If you heard Jesus look at you and say that, he, he was stopping what he was doing, and he turns to you and says that. You probably respond with something, well, Jesus, if you could... And you'd share a need. You'd share a challenge. You'd share a difficulty. You would share a situation. The powerful thing is we can call upon you. But the powerful thing is that he hears when we call upon him. He wasn't so busy that he was thinking about the cross and thinking about all of these things that ultimately would take part. He slowed down, he stopped, he turned, and he called out to a couple of blind men who had an incredible need. I don't know all of your situations. I don't know all of what you're facing, but I encourage you to call upon him. I encourage you not to give up, and I want to remind you and encourage you that he hears exactly what that need is.
final challenge and final encouragement is this from verse 34. The encouragement is to follow Jesus. It says, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus was filled with compassion. Sometimes we're only filled with compassion if we're in a really good mood. You ever find yourself, you know, if you're being honest, uh, when, when you're kind of grumpy or you're kind of hungry or hangry, your attitude's not so good, and so you're not as compassionate. Don't be pointing now. She might be pointing to you back. I don't know. We oftentimes, we, when we get that way, our compassion levels drop. No matter where we were before, you might be super compassionate, super loving, super kind, super giving, but get you hangry, get you whatever, and your compassion levels drop. Here's Jesus on his way, not too far away from this road to the cross, and he stops. He turns to two blind men, sees them, hears them, is filled with compassion for them, and touches their eyes. Immediately they received their sight. Their sight was recovered. And then it says they followed Jesus. It's an incredible response. Following means to live for Jesus in every area and aspect of our lives. Understanding he's got the best interests at heart for our every situation. You and I are often really good at being followers on social media. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet or a computer, uh, many of you might have some form of social media account. Be it Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or other items. And, and you love it when somebody follows you or wants to be your friend or this uh, every everyone calls them different things and we follow other people or like other people or friend other people we're, we're pretty good at being followers which in today's day and age just means i'm gonna gaze from afar i'm just gonna kind of spy on your life a little bit and see what's going on i'm gonna click follow i'm gonna click like so i can see what you post and see if your life is better than mine. Sometimes that's what today's day and age and culture is. To follow someone, it's just kind of following, observing from a distance. That's not what Jesus called us to do. That's not what these blind men did. When it says that they followed him, they didn't look him up on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter and become a follower and say, ah, oh, let's just see what he does. They literally and physically desired to follow him, to do what he asked. For us, it's more about curiosity. To follow someone on social media, we're curious. We want to know some things about them, but we want to kind of stay at an arm's length. These blind men desired to truly be a follower after they received and recovered their sight, 
They followed after Jesus. He desires you and I to be a wholehearted follower of him. Notice that there was no weight. Notice that they didn't have to somehow, you know, weigh out the pros and cons. Wow, our entire life was changed. We recovered our sight. Now what do you think we ought to do? There was an immediate healing, but they immediately turned to follow after Jesus. How do we respond when Jesus speaks into our life? When Jesus heals a body, when Jesus provides for finances, when Jesus helps guide or provide comfort, when he stepped into your life and helped you out, have you paused to say, well, maybe later I'll get around to following after Jesus? These men who were blind, who now can see, immediately followed. They didn't wait. They turned to follow him. They might not have understood this was towards the end of Jesus' life. The cross was not very far off in the distance. Rather than waiting, they turned and followed Jesus. Don't let him pass you by. Don't let this opportunity today go by without calling upon him and following after Jesus. Encouragement from these blind men who Jesus healed. It's a reminder that we can call upon him in any and every situation we might face. The encouragement is don't give up. Whether we pray and pray and nothing happens, whether it seems as if other individuals' lives are doing better and ours are still struggling, continue to seek, continue to pray, continue to call upon him. Know that he hears. He hears your cries, your prayers, your calling upon him. The final challenge is to follow him. Follow him.